Hey guys, welcome to What They Don't Teach You in School. My name is Etienne Martel, and today I have Lisa Hilton with me. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah. She is the host of the Level uh, the Level Up Reels, REI podcast. Sorry, the Level <laughs> Up REI podcast. Um, she's a lover of real estate investing, and she's a real estate syndicator as well. So thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also good because I was on your podcast previously. So now we're going to switch sides. You're going to join mine. So. Exactly. Yeah. A little podcast swap there. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, so do you want to kind of do a little introduction for everyone yeah. and give some background? Sure. Um, so as ATN said, I, my name is Lisa Hilton. I am a real estate syndicator um, and I live in Los Angeles, but I'm originally from the Cayman Islands. Um, but I've been in the U.S. now for over 10 years, um, and my background um, is in financial services. So I've been working in financial services as an, as an accountant for over 10 years um, and currently work as a controller on funds that invest in real estate, so private equity real estate. Um, so, yeah, and then from there, and we'll get into talking about, you know, the path of moving from working W-2 and then into then investing in real estate as well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let's do that. So yeah, you're from the Cayman Islands. Uh, Cayman Islands. So that's really yes. cool. Uh, when did you move here? I moved in 20, I moved to LA in 2014 and then I okay. moved to the U.S. in 2010. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Where did you move to originally? Boston. So Boston. I was in Boston for four years wow. and then I've been in LA ever since. Uh -huh. Big change so, huh? from Boston. Big change, Boston <laughs> to LA. But you know, I prefer, like, I like both cities, but mm -hmm. I prefer living in LA for, you know, the weather and that kind of stuff. Definitely. Um, so yeah. But Boston's too. a great place to visit. Uh huh. Okay. I still haven't been there, so I need to go there. Yeah, Definitely. it's good. Yeah. I recommend in the, you know, late spring, early summer is really good. All mm -hmm. through the summer, all through the fall, Boston's awesome to visit. Okay. In the winter, you know, from an, I know you're LA, California <laughs> man. So like, it's a little bit of a stretch for, uh, you know, for. Too cold. That's right. It can be on the cold side. <laughs> like <in> Antarctica. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, when did you get started in real estate investing? Yeah, so I bought my first property when I was in my maybe early 20s. I was living in Cayman um, and my parents were in real estate. So my dad was a contractor and he built 14, 14 apartment units. But a lot of that took place before I was like an adult or even a teenager. So that was like going on when I was like a child and even before I was born. Was that, um, was that in Cayman? That was in Cayman. Okay. Um, and I didn't really understand per se, like, you know, really understand real estate. I just sort of grew up around it and it was just there and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and my father got sick with a brain tumor. Um, I want to say maybe when I was in elementary school, kind of thing, or mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And then 10 or so plus years later, I was now in college and 
that's when my father actually passed away. So it, you know, it took his life. Mm -hmm. um, but because he built those apartments um, during all that time, my family was able to sort of make ends meet and be able to take care of, because I'm the eldest of three children that my parents had together. And then my parents also had one child each mm -hmm. um, before they met. So they were then able to take care of their children and be able to send them through school and all that kind of stuff um, mm -hmm. because of that investment. Um, but I never really saw it that way until fast forward. Well, I bought my first property in my early 20s. It was a two bedroom, two bath. And I bought it because I loved it. Like, I didn't think about numbers. Like, I was just like, oh, this is a great property. It's gorgeous. I'm going to get it. Was and it I for did. investing or was it to live in? So it was for investing, but I still didn't really understand the numbers of uh -huh. it. It was like an well. emotional buy more? Yeah, it was definitely okay. more of an emotional buy. Um, okay. I think I went into it initially thinking I was going to live in it. And then, uh, you know, then considering like renting it out. Um, it broke even the first year and then lost money every year after that for a total mm. of like five, almost six years. Okay. Um, and by that point, I was now living in L.A. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I remember getting a bill in the mail like a thousand and something dollars for an AC bill uh, mm -hmm. because the AC broke down and the tenant called the AC company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this apartment is draining me. Like yeah. I got to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I finally put it on the market and then it took like six to about maybe a year in, for it to move to sell. Um, and then once it did, I was like, you know what, I'm not doing that again. I'm so loved, like I'm not doing any more real estate. Uh -huh. And then a year after that, I ended up taking a job working at an investment manager working on real estate funds. Mm -hmm. And then when I started doing that, I was like, hold on, this real estate thing, like there's clearly people are able to make good money here. They're also, they also lose good money too, but like, yeah. you know, um, and that's what sort of started my journey. Okay. of getting educated on how to then come back and play in the game again. Uh -huh. That's interesting though, that you bought the property kind of before kind of like learning everything. Like that's kind of funny that, um, that you did that. Um, sheesh. do you know like why you ended up losing money after a while? Was it? Yeah. Because I didn't buy, I didn't buy correctly. Mm -hmm. So in other words, um, like now, like when I, you know, look at properties, one of the biggest things, like I'm checking to make sure, like if I'm going to buy, like if I would have bought that condo again, the first thing is like off the bat, you could do the 1% rule, mm -hmm. you know, 1% of the value of the property to see if that's what you're going to get in rent. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to get that in rent, then it's almost like, okay, do I go even any further? to mm -hmm. do anymore, you know, and you could, um, and then go further to check to see, okay, well, what is my mortgage going to be like? Um, mm -hmm. what's insurance. And then the other thing is on this property, it had a strata. Um, so Wait, what's that, a strata again? So, yeah. So a strata is like an HOA, which is also like, um, like a housing, bill kind of thing like for that complex mm -hmm. um so i would pay like i believe when i moved in the strata was like maybe like three or four hundred dollars and then maybe i think after a couple months or after a year 
they moved it up to like 600 because they uh-huh. wanted to be able to have enough money to pay insurance, uh-huh. uh, have enough money to do renovations on the outside of the building. So this is just keeping the complex up. Like that's uh-huh. what this money is for. Yeah. Like pool repairs, whitewashing, this, that, and all mm-hmm. kind of stuff, fixing the carport, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so like, yeah, so okay. that plus the mortgage, like just wipes out all of the any kind of income that you're getting. So you're not mm-hmm. like saving any money. Um, so like when you then have, and you have maintenance. So in Cayman, like you have a lot of, it's hot. So you got to mm-hmm. make sure that you have really good AC. So that means you need to maintain your AC and get people out there to do the routine checks, yeah, uh, filters, all that kind of stuff. Um, so when it breaks down, yeah, you definitely have to get it sorted. Mm-hmm. Wow. Jeez. A lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of experience there. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I was like, you know, um, you know, I, it also brought like I was an out of country landlord because mm-hmm. I was living in Boston and then LA and then managing it from a distance. So because I didn't really understand the numbers going in, I didn't, I couldn't afford property management because that would have been even more money coming out that I wasn't seeing. So, yeah, so then I had to then sort of manage it from abroad and sort of then get people that I knew. The benefit was I was from Cayman, so Mm -hmm. I knew people who could be a plumber or like if I had an issue or just call somebody and say, hey, can you go by and check this or check that? Um, So that really helped a lot. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) How much did you rent that for? Um, I believe that it was about, I want to say... When I bought the property initially, it was like sixteen, and when I when I bought the this the purchase price was like two hundred and something. I feel, mm-hmm. um, so it was definitely not no one like it was broken that rule law like yeah. <laughs> big time <laughs> from the start. <laughs> <laughs> from the start, um, yeah. and then sixteen is what I got the first year, and then every year after that, we were just dealing with like delinquencies and like all kind of other stuff in that particular area because of just the economy at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rents actually went down. So I think mm-hmm. by the time I sold it, it was like 13, 1350, like something around there. So mm-hmm. yeah, like luckily I had cash reserves. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I would not do that again. Um, mm-hmm. That's why now I'm just like, if you're going to go into that, just sort of make sure you run the numbers and sort of understand. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I push for. And a lot of, um, a lot of like the posts that I do on Instagram, like mm-hmm. always run your numbers, make sure you know all the numbers that are going on. And if you don't know, you could always call the city or, you know, call some other people and figure it out. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I know a lot of people that go into it and they don't know, they just see the purchase price and like the rent. And then they're like, Oh, like this is a good deal and then it's like there's property tax insurance management yeah tons of other things that go into yeah and the strata and the hoas you really have to look at them because they can they can change like they can change in a year with new Mm -hmm. strata management they could just decide that they want to charge more money because they want to make sure that the strata has enough money in its coffers Mm -hmm. i wonder if I was thinking about that. I wonder if the, I wonder if you could have called them before and they would have like, let you know, like, oh, we're thinking about 
you know, upping the strata fee or whatever. I wonder, I don't know. But. Yeah, well, this is a thing. So the um, it's like all the owners are on the strata board. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not some of, they're all on it technically, but not everyone sort of actively participates. Mm-hmm. So like you have the members and the voting members. So like you can choose to be on the board or not. Um, um, also, you have to like, like it's a process with the strata, like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, it's not that you don't buy into investments that have HOAs and stratas. It's just, you sort of need to understand how the process works and just make sure that the numbers work, even mm-hmm. if those things could double. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. At least you want to break even is kind of, yeah, know, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of where you want to be. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to be losing money. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then how did you find that, um, that first deal? Um, so I was, I think I saw it in the newspaper. Really? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, because like at that time, I don't know about these days I've came in continues to show the properties in the paper. I feel like I saw that property in the paper and I was just on the market. I was looking for properties Mm-hmm. um to buy I was looking for townhomes um so yeah and I just sort of ran into it and I was like oh I like it mm-hmm. it looks that's good cool. that's cool <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of um it reminds me of my dad my dad was in like college and he yeah. he got an apartment building um and I remember he was telling us how he like this was back in the day when he was in college and he was they had the they they didn't have like they didn't have the internet, I don't think, yet at all. Uh-huh. Well, they didn't. Um, and then so they had to flip through a binder. So he was just sitting there like every day, flipping through properties and oh, properties wow. and a binder until he found one. So, gotcha. yeah, it's kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, so you're also a real estate syndicator, right? Have you done yeah. any successful syndications or anything yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. So I guess moving to like real estate syndications from where I was, right? Um, oh, yeah. How in did my you journey. Yeah. yeah, like it's definitely been a journey um, for sure to get to real estate syndication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure the journey will continue to evolve and transform. Um, but for a long time, I want to say at the beginning, from the point at which I took the job working at the investment manager, and then I started listening to podcasts, so like bigger pockets and reading books and all this stuff. Um, and then I was like, wow, like, yeah, like just getting more educated, 1% rule, understanding how to like sort of analyze and run numbers on properties. Mm-hmm. I was now focused on initially living in LA. I was like, you know what? Let me do a duplex, you know, rent one side, live in the other. And then that didn't really prove out to be something that was going to be financially good for me at the time, given my financial resources and the type of prices that LA was showing, um, as well as the kind of commute that I was willing to deal with. Mm -hmm. So like if I was willing to deal with maybe an hour, hour and a half commute, then yeah, I probably could find something because I could probably move out east, you know, somewhere out there or wherever Mm -hmm. to to make it happen. But I value quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) And I wanted to keep a nice, good, short commute because, hey, like I'm living now, I'm not living 10, 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, if that's what I value, where do I need to invest? Mm-hmm. And that 
brought me to out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started looking at turnkey and properties out of state. So I played in the turnkey space, like in terms of looking for properties for a, a good while. I want to say maybe a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, until I found syndication. <clears throat> and through that, I sort of met people. I really wasn't looking for it. I just sort of met people through the process of just continuing to learn about real estate mm-hmm. who were syndicators. Um, and I just love the idea of sort of partnering and working with other people to play in deals, especially when I'm planning on doing so out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how I started to get into the process and just finding people that I trust. I, you know, met people that I really trusted who were doing playing in real estate that way. Um, and then together, I've now invested in about uh, 850. Um, so it's two properties. One is 600 units and the other is two properties of 150 and 100 units. They're all in the Atlanta MSA. Um, uh, Atlanta. So yeah, so those ones are all in Atlanta. Um, and then one of them I also did, I was involved in a sub-syndication where me and a group of other ladies uh, raised money to um, from investors to be able to invest in the, the deal that has the two properties. So mm-hmm. the total of 250 units. Wow. Um, so it's been an amazing experience, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of going through that um, for me at this time. Uh, and then continuing to grow from there. Mm-hmm. Do they keep you like really updated on the property or are you kind of like a passive investor in that? Yeah, so they do keep you updated. So a part of uh, the passive investor role, what it looks like is you sort of, first of all, you vet the people, the operators, mm-hmm. whether sure. you would <laughs> want to be in business with them, Definitely. whether you think that they understand what they're doing, the market, whether they can execute the business plan based on their track record and strategy and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's once you're good, yes, that's okay. your due diligence getting, that's on the people. Mm-hmm. And then after you're comfortable with the people, then I sort of look at the deal. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, well, do I like this market? Um, and recently we'll get to this, but I also have a podcast and recently I, um, was interviewing someone on my podcast, um, and I asked them, they're like underwriters and whatever, like, what are some of the first things that they do when looking at underwriting? And she said, you know, I don't need to look at underwriting. I just need to see the address first. Mm -hmm. And I go, huh? And the reality is it's really true. So the, the second part is really looking at the address of mm-hmm. where that property is located to understand what are the market situate fundamentals that this market is experiencing or is mm-hmm. there job growth? Is there rent growth? What is the condo average condo price there? What is the average household income? Um, because those kind of things determine whether it's a place that I would want to put my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when all that checks out, then starting to then move forward. So this is all as a passive investor, mm-hmm. like you are able to sort of do those kinds of things. And then you start looking at what is the, how is this deal compensated in terms of, is there a preferred return or is there no preferred return? Mm-hmm. And then how is the income split, um, as this deal gets executed? Yeah. Um, and then once you decide, yeah, you know what, you like all of the different pieces and you decide to invest, then um, either on a quarterly or monthly basis based on the PPM document, 
Mm -hmm. uh, distributions will be distributed to investors. Mm -hmm. So then generally I'll get, so on one, it's a quarterly basis. The other is monthly. And mm -hmm. then on a monthly basis, the monthly one will also give reports and updates on the property, like how it's doing, everything from occupancy um, to renovations and how those are coming along. Mm -hmm. um, and the quarterly one does that on a quarterly basis. And they both provide us with uh, property uh, trial balances, like so P&L, so you can sort of see how the property is going from a financial perspective as well. Mm -hmm. From just straight numbers. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. So yeah, so that's what you can expect <laughs> as a passive investor. Okay, awesome, awesome. Wow. Um, so if any repairs pop up or anything like that, do you mm -hmm. need to invest in the property some more? Or that's a great question. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, um, the understanding is that for when they raise the money, mm -hmm. um, if there are things that come up unexpected. Um, they will then have the operator will sort of manage that process and not come like they're not, this is not like a commitment kind of thing where you made like a 10 million, uh, uh, maybe a hundred thousand dollar commitment to this fund mm -hmm. and they've only called 50,000. So then now they're calling another 50 from you. Mm -hmm. Um, no, like you put in whatever money and then they need to sort of manage that money. And if they then run low on the money, they can then do another raise, which mm -hmm. they would then need to explain to investors, you know, why they need to get more money and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. But this question came up for me. Like, I think I asked a similar question to someone else. And while I have not had this experience personally, mm -hmm. what that individual told me, and it sort of makes a sense is that, they would like if they have unexpected things that come up what they'll end up doing is they'll start to look at their business plan and determine what areas of their business plan they're going to need to adjust mm -hmm. so maybe they won't do as many renovations as they intended to do because now they have this situation that they then have to uh, funnel money that way mm -hmm. so they then have to sort of move things around and then look at other ways in which the property could generate more mm -hmm. income yeah. That seems a little <laughs> scary though, having to, <laughs> having like them email you and just like, oh, we're going to rearrange everything. It seems kind of scary, but. Um, usually I've never <laughs> had anyone um, sort of, I've not personally experienced that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they would necessarily, like, I don't know if they would necessarily, like, I think that that's always going on in the background. Like you're always, yeah. <laughs> as you're execute. it's almost like when you're driving, you know, like, the you get into some potholes and then you start pivoting mm -hmm. yeah, yeah you want to miss some of these potholes that are in the road that yeah. you weren't yeah. expecting to be there yeah it's scary but yeah you have to do it regardless you always have to yeah. make sure manage everything make sure everything's on track so yeah, yeah. it's understandable yeah. but like yeah if i was if i was just investing tons of money and then i get that email back like we're gonna restructure everything you're like Shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, as I said, I don't really think that they would go that way, but maybe uh -huh. you know, I've not experienced that. Yeah, personally. yeah. Okay. But yeah. Okay, that's good though. Uh, when when did you start? When did you do your first syndication? Um, so I made my first investment as a passive investor in the summer of last year. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and then in the fall of last year, I did the first sub syndication. That's more on the active side. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now just continuing to build relationships in the marketplace, mm -hmm. um, to then 
you know, continue to partner with other people um, to then, you know, take on more deals and to provide opportunities for myself as well as other investors. Okay. So, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so you mentioned before the sub syndication. Uh, did you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, like, yeah. So uh, sub syndication is where essentially um, you will then create like another LLC. It's almost like a fund to fund. So um, there is a fund that's set up to do the main investment into the investment. Mm -hmm. And then you can create your own LLC and that LLC, you are in charge of raising money for it. It should have the same rules as the um, main. So in other words, like a 506B raise, if the main is doing a 506B, then mm -hmm. the, the sub syndication will have to do a 506B as well. If the main is doing 506C, then the sub will need to do 506C as well. Okay. So they sort of have to mirror each other. Mm -hmm. um, so in that regard, but yeah, you set up your um, LLC, you raise money, and then that money then goes into the main. Um, some of the benefits of doing a sub syndication is that that enables, you can do like a lower minimum. So like the main might be like, say, 50K to invest, whereas a sub syndication will be like, say, 25. Um, and then all that money will then go into the main. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then that provides opportunities for people who may not have 50, but they might be able to put together 25 and they want to have the exposure of investing. And then after maybe a couple of years of doing some of those, they then, you know, properties are sold, they get back their investment with friends. Mm -hmm. They then now are in a position where they could do a 50K investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Good yeah. stepping stone for people then. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, gives them exposure into how the whole process works mm -hmm. um, and, you know, all that kind of stuff as Confident. opposed to the 50. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All right. So let's see. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're looking forward to or any kind of any places you're looking to go for your next path? Um, I think at this point, I think the biggest thing that I'm sort of working on is just continuing to build out my brand. Mm -hmm. um, so one, building out the brand, and then two, um, continuing to network and meet people, mm -hmm. um, both people who are interested in investing as well as partners, um, mm -hmm. to work together to bring my skills, you know, what I am really good at to the table, um, and sort of playing with other people who might be good at things that I'm not very strong at, or maybe live in markets that um, I don't currently live in, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, given that I live in LA. Um, so like, like things like that, you know, um, I think that's my focus at the moment. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, yes. And then let's see, where was that other question? Uh oh. Um, networking next project um shoot um oh i forgot to mention at the beginning of this yeah. we met as well oh I yes yes um, yeah, yeah so i yeah, met you, you yeah <laughs> it was very interesting so i was here in la um i was at a cafe called cafe vida which I like to go to. I think it was a Sunday. Um, and you and your mom was at the cafe and I just, I got seated and I got seated right next to you guys. Um, and then I saw you were wearing a shirt called 
cash flow is greater than paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like, I love your shirt. And then you, you said, thank you. And then that's how the conversation started. Cause I was like, you know, where did you get that shirt from? Yeah. <laughs> that's not a usual shirt you see. Around. That's right. It's not yeah. a usual shirt. And anyone who's wearing that kind of shirt, you're just like, yeah, uh-huh. these are definitely people who probably are thinking about investing and, uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I have a podcast about real estate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a small <laughs> world. I love attraction as well. You attract the people that are similar to you and that are doing all these amazing things. You see mm-hmm. them. So, yeah. but yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. definitely. Yeah, that was funny. That was a funny, funny day. Um, all right. So... I think that kind of concludes the podcast. I don't really yes. have any other questions or anything. Um, if we do, if more questions pop up, I could always have you back on. Right, right, right. Go from there. So totally. Uh, yeah. So thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, what yeah. they don't teach you in school. Um, I'll let you do your little exit um, spiel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So yeah, if you want to learn more about me, you can definitely um, check out my podcast. It's called the Level Up REI Show. Um, And that's on iTunes or any of the major distributors. Um, You can also just find it on my website, which is uh, www.lisahilton.com. And that is Hilton with a Y. So just like the hotel, but only thing with a Y. Nice. And that's it. Okay. Thank you very much. And everyone have a great day and stay healthy during these pandemic times. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Take care, man.